You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. It's time for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Today we're going to have Chris Rose, one of the great TV hosts. He's got his new podcast, also with the NFL Network. Casey Stern, the host of Inside Pitch on MLB Network Radio. And Marty Lurie, who's been around A's baseball for years and the Giants now with KNBR. But we'll start with Chris Rose, my man. I've always enjoyed having him on the program. Well, it's always an honor to have Chris Rose on the program. How How is life and how is the new podcast? Uh, all is well, Chris. Um, really enjoying my time with, with John Boy. I mean, obviously, for people that followed what happened at MLB Network, it was sad to leave a place after 10 years. There's no question. We had built something special, I felt like, with intentional talk. I knew I still wanted to be in baseball somehow. Uh, I've known Jimmy and Jake from John Boy Media for a few years. We started talking. They gauged my interest. And I was like, heck yeah. I mean, I'm a big believer in what they do uh, because it's similar to what, you know, what our philosophy was at Intentional Talk, which is don't take yourselves too seriously. Help grow the game. Show people there's another side of baseball and have a lot of fun while you're doing what you love. And so they've kind of given me free reign with this podcast. And I thought it was really important for it not to just be a singular voice. And I want people to know that there are good, entertaining, fun people who love the sport. And so that's why I have a a rotating cast of a half dozen active players. And it's been really, really more more than I could have imagined uh, in terms of what these guys are bringing, their interests and how much they want to help the game. Yeah, and it's just what, what what we're starting to understand is that, you know, people want to, they want to consume when they want to consume it. So the fact yeah. that it's a podcast and it's there, I mean, for us with A's Cast, we just went over 3 million downloads the other day. So, it, and we started in 2019, and it's just, it just goes to show, like, for my post-game show, it gets a ton of downloads, but not everybody can stay up late uh, and, and to listen to the post-game show. So they rather download it, listen to it the next day. I, I think that's the entertainment we are passing on to the fans. It's 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 the exact way they want to consume it. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that obviously the pandemic hit the industry a little bit in, from the standpoint of people weren't commuting, right? I mean, people were staying at home. Um, so I think as things kind of hopefully get back to some sort of new normal and people are, whether in their cars or on trains or what have you, they'll even have more and more access to that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's important to be there when your viewers and when your listeners have time for you. It's, it's not great when we say, hey, you have to see us at five o'clock or you're going to miss the deal. And that's, that's not how we go about things. And we just need to be as accessible as possible. So Castellanos was on your podcast yesterday saying the league doesn't care about the substances with, uh, on the ball for the pitchers. Well, yeah, I mean, we had actually taped it on Tuesday and it dropped yesterday. And a few hours later, (laughs) you know, there are reports that things are starting to move. But who could argue with his point? You know, I mean, the athletic article came out over a week ago and you didn't hear boo from Major League Baseball about it. And yes, they did say during spring training they were going to be confiscating baseballs to collect data. That's fine. But when guys start putting their names on quotes that it's not just sources say, but rather one of the best catchers in baseball and JT Real Muto equating the problem to steroids, whether you believe him or not, or follow his logic or not, the point is is that people are talking about it. The guys I'm texting with around Major League Baseball, every hitter thinks it's a joke. It's like they're saying that baseball just 
doesn't care what guys are doing to the baseball. And they're basically, the pitchers are laughing at him. So we've had a lot of interesting discussions on the, uh, discussions on the Chris Rose rotation. I had a fascinating one with Stephen Brawl to the Pirates and Trevor Williams to the Cubs, both major league pitchers. And they were very honest about it. So go to our JM Media Baseball YouTube channel. You can find it. It's a 10-minute discussion. Trevor actually walks you through how pitchers put stuff on the baseball and what you should be looking for as a baseball fan. And then you can decide whether or not you give a crap or not. You know, I, I, I think about it and I'm like, okay, if it's a sunny day and I'm, and I'm, doing, the, I'm doing sunscreen, What's the league going to do? You're going to say, I'm trying to prevent skin cancer. That's why I have, that's why I have sunscreen on. Like, what are they no really going to do? So, you know, I think that they could come out and say, because if you talk to most hitters, most hitters don't care about the combination of sunscreen and rosin, which does give you tact. So there is something that is being done with the baseball at that point. But hitters will tell you and pitchers will tell you that it doesn't affect the spin of the baseball. So if we can all come to an agreement that a guy's got rosin and sunscreen as a mixture, then it won't be a big deal. Now, I don't know exactly how you police that, but there are experts who should be able to tell the difference between a baseball that might have a rosin slash sunscreen spot on it, which I don't even know if you can see that, or this cement mix that people have been using that essentially is like glue. So there you go. Yeah, we actually looked it up. It's called spider tack. And yeah. it's it's people who lay stones at like people's houses and businesses. It, 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 it's 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 easier to move. And I, I mean, I don't, I've never laid stone before, but it, it's for stone workers. So we looked it up, Chris, on Amazon. Think about this. This product, which is causing baseball to go crazy, is like $13.99. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can have it by tomorrow. Yeah. I'll order it right up. I am. Um, <laughs> I will not be laying stone, and I will not be throwing a, uh, a slider with 3,000 RPMs anytime soon. In fact, I have a better chance of laying stone. And people that know me know I've got no chance in hell of doing that. Um, I'm just not talented enough. So, yes, I mean, we know that things are accessible. Uh, that it's, The question is, like, if you're a parent, do you always turn the other way when your kid does something wrong and you know they're doing it and they're going to keep doing it and it's going to affect the other kids in the household? Like, the other kids in the household are going to be like, well, wait a second. You're, you're letting little Jimmy get away with that. That's a problem. And if you don't listen to the other kid in the household, then it's going to be a major problem. So, you know, I'll, I'll be very curious to see how baseball decides to discipline people if it actually moves forward. Yeah, I, I'm still just shocked that we have a game here where the equipment is not regulated. Like, we have no idea. Are we using a juice ball? Are we using a non-juice ball? They're now... They're now putting this lacquer on the bats to make them harder. I mean, we don't know. I mean, the equipment's all over the place. We're talking about pitchers putting stuff on the ball. Hitters got arm guards, shin guards. You know, I wish they would just regulate the equipment and take everything away from everybody. You know, if, if a pitcher can't get an advantage, the hitter can't. Like our own Mark Canna gets hit so much, but he stands right on top of the plate, and he's got this big elbow guard that gets hit all the time. Take all of it away, and that's only the real way to do it, but I don't think that will ever happen. Well, except that the rest of the guys could hit with arm guards too. I mean, they're making a choice not to. It's just, I don't know. I would rather see Mark Canna up there with, a, with an elbow guard than not have one because if he ends up getting a hit and he gets dotted in the elbow and he's out a week, that doesn't help anybody. I mean, it's I, not illegal to stand on top of the plate. I get that. I mean, it's just like it, it, but every single time we see the pitchers getting some type of advantage, everybody flips out to where hitters get to use pine tar hitters get to use all this stuff. I mean, 
mean, and, and then all of a sudden, you use a little bit of pine tar on the ball, and they throw you out of the game. Yeah, but uh, all right, hold on, Chris. I'm gonna. I have to disagree with you. Okay. Uh, with all due with all due respect. Um. Yes, pine tar when guys swing a bat could end up on the baseball, but it doesn't change. Like a pitcher loading up the baseball changes how it moves. Right. No I mean, doubt. I think we can all agree with that. I had some guy saying, "Okay, so you're you want to strip the the pitchers of using pine tar or you know this spider whatever stuff and all that sort of stuff, but you don't want to take away batting gloves and pine tar and all that stuff from hitters." I'm like, "But the the two aren't the same. You're talking about putting a substance on the object as opposed to holding on to a bat more securely." Like, I don't understand. I and, and you know what? I've had this debate with multiple people, and people are kind of a – it's kind of a, it's kind of different across the board. Some people feel like you do. I really don't care. I think guys should be able to – I'm a former pitcher, so I have uh-huh. no problem with using a little copper tone to help me out with my grip because let's face it, too. If you're talking about the, the security of the bat with the grip, I think for a hitter – the hitter wants me to have more grip on the baseball, so I'll have more yeah. control and won't be hit. Right. Yeah, right, but we all know that there's a difference between getting a grip and changing the spin rate of a baseball. We, we all know that there is, a, and people who are experts in the field know that there's a line. And I think that, I, my guess is that baseball fans are like, all right, enough with this stuff. Just tell me, like, let's move forward. You know, because to me, I actually think the the talent level of the game is un is is really unprecedented. Like the number of guys that are great athletes and baseball players that are twenty five and younger, I've never I can't remember a group like this. I would say let's let their athleticism and their ability shine the most. And how do we do that? We get a handle on loading up the baseball. We get rid of the shift, in my opinion. I would hope that people will stop just, you know, teaching one approach at the plate, which is see ball, hit it over the fence, and if you don't, we'll live with whatever whatever else happens. I want to see more running in the game. I want to see more defensive plays on relays and things of that nature. I think we have the ability to do it, and I think a guy like Theo Epstein is going to be the right guy to implement whatever changes we have in the near future. Or, or we get you a new gig and you become commissioner and make all nope, this stop. Uh-uh. I'm out. I'm out. They don't want that. <laughs> Believe me, they don't want that. Yeah, I think you're I think you're dead on. I think we have so many, you know, forget power hitters. We have so many great athletes. And I say this all the time on my show, is when you put the ball in play is when we get to see the great athleticism of the outfielders, yeah. of the infielders. One of the most beautiful things is a bang-bang double play to watch these guys, their craft, how good they are. And like you said, first to third, first to home. Putting the ball in play more just shows what kind of great athletes. And as you basically just said, this might be the most athletic group we've ever seen in Major League Baseball. Kind of takes you back a little bit to the 80s. Absolutely. I mean, listen, I'm not – I don't think we need to change everything. I'm not – I'm not there, but I really think like some people are like, well, why would you get rid of the shift? Well, listen, if you want to play your second baseman in short right field, that's your call, but you can't bring it then your third baseman to the right side of second base. And people say, well, why don't the hitters just learn to hit it the other way? Well, you're taking a, yes, but you're taking away their ability to put some power on the baseball and pull it also. And I want to see that. You know, I like I said, I want to see more doubles, more triples, more hit and run, more just more action. Like I'm not the guy that wants to see each team strike out 12 times per game and we can have four home runs in the game. Like personally, that's just not it for me. You know what that's called? Oakland A's baseball. <laughs> That's what we do. It's every night. It's 13 punch outs. It's 11. It's three home runs. I know. Like, oh, God. But hey. you're not alone. You're, you're not alone. And I'm just saying that 
I, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, my God, I hate the way baseball is played now. Because I think that's, that's ridiculous. I'm just saying that I think a few simple changes help bring out the athleticism in this. Hey, great stuff as always. We appreciate it. Continued success with your podcast. It's fabulous, and it's just going to grow and grow. I appreciate that, Chris. It's really been a fun, fun time, and I think the thing it allows most is the guys to just hang out, and there's not a lot of places where you get active player talking with active player. Like my co-host the day of Castellanos was Miguel Rojas. Those guys aren't like close friends. They just know each other from competing on the field. And they would sit there and talk back and forth about whether it was hitting or the pitching stuff we just talked about, Castellanos and the incidents that he had with the Cardinals or whatever, and Miggy would chime in. And it was just fun for me to listen to. So that's what makes it a little bit different. I hope people are enjoying it. Yeah, it's a brilliant idea, and we'll, we'll continue to promote it. I appreciate that, Chris. Thank you very much. Take care, Chris. Be well and be safe with the family. You as well, buddy. From one great host to another, Casey Stern does a great job, what he's done for years in the NBA, but also the host of Inside Pitch on MLB Network Radio. It's always great to have you on the program. Big fan, of course. I have XM, got you in on my car every single day. And I think really the job that you guys do uh, is second to none because – there's no place like you giving the information that you guys are giving on a daily basis. Yeah, I, you know, I, honestly, I feel like we're all in therapy after going through the amount of months we spent talking about no actual games a year ago. So it's it's fantastic to have baseball to react to. Uh, we wish more players weren't hurt, uh, but in some cases, uh, I use the tennis term, unforced errors by the league and the players bartering over uh, nonsense and not having a universal DH that now a guy like a Jack Flaherty, for example, is uh, down for the count for a while. Isn't it ridiculous when you look at the numbers like the, I was reading, it was just a couple of weeks ago that the, the average for pitchers was 100 and they were basically striking out 50% of the time. And it's like, what are we doing here in 2021? Well, we're putting position of uh, pitchers being injured for no reason, which is and it's interesting because if you look about kind of the contradiction of it all, remember when Posey and Cousins collided, we had to run and then you know, make sure collisions were gone and then at second base, nope, no more slides. But we're not going to give you any additional roster spots off a shortened season where by the middle of the season, every pitcher will be way past the innings they pitched all of last year. Some for years more than that, and we're going to let pitchers hit, but don't worry about it. Everything will be fine. I mean, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. So, you know, to me, I think at the end of the day, it's on everybody at the upper level of the league for not stepping in and getting both sides to agree. And I know, obviously, Rob Manfred, and we talked about this commissioner, specifically a guy who used to argue on behalf of the owners. We know that it's more of a two-on-one match than somebody even, but whether it's the league or it's the players' union, or you think of the owners, for nobody does it make sense to have players getting hurt. And with no minor league season last year, you're now dipping down to get guys who aren't anywhere close to ready to the big leagues and have to throw them out there, and we're going to get a lot of that in the second half of the year. Well, yeah, I remember last year with the Astros, talking to our buddy Jeff Blum, who does TV for him. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, you're, you, I mean, they, they, they got guys coming up who were in A-ball last year. Like, yeah. they're looking into the media guy going, who are these guys? And that's, what you know, look, I, I, God bless him. I love Tori Lovello and his Diamondbacks have a ton of injuries. And I'm telling you, he is literally, I wonder if it's like the old, like a love connection or your next uh, third baseman loves long walks on the beach and volleyball and swimming. And it's great because they have no idea who these people are, half of them, that they're, that they're going and getting. And that's why, you know, look, all of it combined, when you look at it, Coming off of how statistically oriented we've been now over the years, and everything's about trends, right? That's how we learn. How did we not know? There's no data off a 60-game year. There's no data off how do you ramp up innings from X to Y when this was the calendar this past year and it's never been that way. How did they not understand that regardless of what you're going to argue over the CBA in nine months? I mean, the way I put it was back in – it is going to date myself, but back when you and I were kids, when you sit there and you think about like the – 
the, the Royal Rumble and there's like, you know, the, the big Andre the Giant is there. No one can knock him out by himself. Let's both <laughs> knock him over and then we'll fight it out. You gotta knock over all these problems and then duke it out at the CBA after the season. You can't be sitting there worrying about leverage before the year because not expanding the roster size is the craziest thing ever considering how many injuries we're now seeing. It is literally double what we saw at this time last year. And I'll give you one stat. At no point, not one day last season, did we ever have a situation or in the last full season, the year before, as many injuries right now as we have currently today in this sport. Well, you've sparked something here because when I look back, whether it was Big John Studd or yes. it was King Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy, whenever these guys would team up to try and get yes. them out of the out of the ring, that was weak sauce. Well, yeah, but but at the same time, you also didn't want, you know, it was too easy when the biggest guy in there, it's like the ring, anybody's been to one of those events, it's like four feet long. <laughs> Nobody's getting them out anyway. But unfortunately, just to kind of tie it all together, right now the Andre the Giant, the elephant in the room, is that the league didn't step in. There's this whole idea of, we always hear about this best interest of baseball clause, right? And, and this, it's like, you know, we, the whole monitor, like I'm going to you know, give you a, you know, a citation if you don't have a pass in the bathroom. They always hold it up like, you know, here's where we're going to use it. How does the league not jump in and say, hey, look, I'm going to take it away from both of you and say that we're not going to go ahead and have pitchers hit who didn't even hit a year ago when we know in the CBA it's not staying anyway. We're not going to keep the roster size. We're going to expand the playoffs because this is in the best interest of the sport and our players. The fact that nobody got involved to say anything. Think about September when you've got playoff races. Fans hopefully knock on wood full throttle and all the tickets they want to sell. And you've got people playing that no one's ever heard of. I mean, it's crazy. It's going to happen. Were you guys able to address Bob Melvin breaking the record for most wins as an Oakland A manager and passing the Hall of Famer, Tony La Russa? You know, well, you said Tony La Russa, and we addressed plenty of that. <laughs> but that's a different story. There will be consequences within the family. Don't worry. Um, oh, look, I always, I, always, I always say this, and I mean it in, in the most complimentary way. Bo Melling is like a thing for me because when you talk about if as an organization, the Rays, right? And look what they're doing, 16 out of 18. If they are even more than, and look, I'm not taking away from Billy or this organization, David Force, anybody, but the Rays are at the, hey, we maximize like everything. We are going to find a way to squeeze the most out of the orange. There's no manager in this sport in this generation or the one prior that has done that to this level. Because Joe Madden had some of that in Tampa, but certainly not that problem with the Cubs. What Bob Melvin has been able to do, regardless of the changes of players, and in the room specifically this year, the loss that you and I both know Marcus was, Marcus Simeon, not being in there, the Chapman injury a year ago, they went a division first time in 14 years. His even keel nature and his balance, which is who he is, is to me still showing everyone what you need in a manager if you really want a long season like baseball to succeed. Because I think it's a big reason that he's as good as he is. Highs and lows, he's the same guy. Every interview, every conversation, every meeting with a player, they don't get down on themselves because he doesn't push them down there. And it allows them in a long year to avoid those lulls that keep teams out of a playoff. Remember when they used to say that Tampa was the little brother to the New York Yankees? I think that yeah. I, I think that narrative is so tired. Tampa's been whooping these guys now for a long time. It really, you know, if you talk about a rivalry, I mean, Tampa's owned them. Oh, it, it's first of all, yes, absolutely. And you can go back to the fact that last year, not only did they beat them during the year, then take the division, but then Brasso gets back at Chapman, right, and hits the home run to knock yep. them out. I go back to, and, and this is, and I chatted with Austin Meadows of the Rays about this actually today, but they do not, and I, I hate to say this because the Twins, I don't want to knock somebody when they're down when I just talked about not doing that, but let's do it. Uh, the Twins, right, who haven't won a playoff series since I think King Kong Bundy was wrestling and Mean Gene was there, may rest. 
<laughs> they and teams that have played the Yankees, think about the old yesteryear, the Texas Rangers, right, with, hey, Rick Helling's good. No, he's not. Uh, and then Seattle. No, Aaron Seeley's No, he's not. And then it's the Twins. And how many teams and organizations have fumbled and put the Yankees in a spot knew they intimidated them and you lost before you got there? Tampa doesn't have the talent most of those teams I just discussed did. The Mariners broke the record for most wins and then got sent home in a series by the Yankees because they could never beat them. The, the Rays mentality is just the perfect mentality of they don't care. Look, they play in a park where you could hear the guy who makes the cowbell because he's your friend and he's one of seven family members of the 12 people in the room. I mean, there's nobody there. They don't have it. It doesn't matter how many people are in the Coliseum. In Oakland, they go nuts. In Tampa Bay, you could, you could scream across to your cousin. Right on the other side of the field, there's nothing that's going to affect them. That's why the COVID season, it was like, okay, let's just play. Nobody has fans, neither do we. But I think that they have taught that to the Yankees. And because of it, what are they going to be afraid of the Yankees for? You just took Blake Snell from us after you took him out of the game for some ungodly reason. When Mookie Betts couldn't make contact against them, you think we're going to worry about winning in Yankee Stadium? And that's why, even if you go back a month ago, the Yankees were on the verge of sweeping the Rays for the first time in years. Would have been a big series, and they got crushed in the last game of that series because even when Tampa gets punched by the Yankees in a big spot, gives up some home runs, they, they are like you know the great closers who have no memory. That's the way Tampa is. They're not going to be affected by it. And I think Kevin Cash is a big part of that. Remember, this is a guy who was a prime disciple. The day he interviewed for this job, he had a phone call beforehand getting further tutelage from his mentor, Terry Francona, a guy who, oh, by the way, came back from down 3-0 in a postseason against the Yankees. All right, more surprised. San Francisco Giants leading the West or Cubs leading the Central? Yeah, I mean, look, the Cubs, you had me. Trying to figure out the Cubs is trying to figure out, like, the movie 12 Monkeys. Like, I, I really have no idea what's happening, but I'm watching it. So I, I can't – really nothing surprises me. With them, we knew that division was weak. I think it's got to be the Giants because this was the year, you know, look, that ownership, and they're always willing to go get the you know, quotient of stars there. They almost gave Farhan Zaidi a heart attack when they told him, hey, we want to try and get Bryce Harper. When Farhan came in to get rid of all that money. Now, it didn't work, thankfully, for Farhan. But think about what he's done, turning that thing over. This was their last year of like, hey, we're almost there. It's like they were running a marathon. It's like, we're one mile. We're almost going to make it to the finish line and, and finally eat food for the first time in a month. They are getting rid of the Crawford contract. Bell, look, these are great players for them, but we know not anymore. Longoria and that contract, all this, they're not supposed to be in this spot, but they made really smart moves. And to me, they made a lot of small market teams make really just look stupid. Because Alex Wood, who is a guy who, by the way, pitched well in that World Series game where Snell was taken out, $3 million for a year in the division where he's won 15 games before and performed well, those kind of moves they made have helped them do this. Yastrzemski hasn't hit the ball that well. I mean, Buster Posey, to me, is the biggest surprise, obviously, of the Giants that he's been, which is great to see, that he's been you know, a, a high-level hitter again for a lot of this year. But I think, you know, you've got to give Gabe Kapler a lot of credit and you've got to give Farhan Zaidi a lot of credit. This guy knows what he's doing and they are going to have a lot of money to spend this coming off season and be a major factor in the shortstop market. And I keep putting out there, you know, I live in Atlanta now. Freddie Freeman's still a free agent. The Braves, everything with them is a mess and he's a California kid. And I don't think the Angels can afford more money, even though he's from Orange County, on non-pitchers. Freddie Freeman at first base for the Giants next year in a long-term deal looks pretty good to me. And think about another West Coast guy who's just killing it for the Cubs is Chris Bryant. And the talk That's is right. The talk has been they're going to move him. How about Javi Baez? I mean, if you're in first place, you can't move these guys. It's like, what is the direction of the Cubs? Because it's almost they're shocking themselves by winning. I, I, I use it this way. Every team has a GPS where if they're good, even the Orioles, right? Like, you know – where they're supposed to get, doesn't mean they're going to get there, but they have a direction how to get there. When you put the GPS in for the Cubs, it, the AOL dial-up sound gets made, like when you were going into the romance chat room in 1990. I mean, literally, they don't even know where they're going. They got rid of the Darvish money and then didn't go further 
because they didn't get a lot of value for Chris Bryant, but you're not going to get value for him as a rental. Machado, nothing. I mean, rentals don't get you any money. They don't get you any value in players. And really, if anything, you're just saving cash. So I, I don't know what they're doing. They have not made a significant offer that, that Rizzo has liked. And even last time, seemingly, he had come out and, and acted like he was lowballed to a great extent. Baez, I don't understand why if he's their guy that they've chosen, which a lot of people have thought, why isn't he signed? I don't think they feel that way now. And when Lindor gets paid like Tatis, you know, I don't think Baez is going to get paid as much, but I'm certain that he's not got a 10-year offer from the Cubs for $300 million right now. He would have taken it. So I don't know what they're doing. I'm with you. And I think the sad part is for the Cubs fan, clearly Theo left because the organization had changed their mind and decided to go the other way. But they didn't go far enough. You're never going to get players to not try. They put a pitching staff out in a league where you can't get anyone to make contact. And their staff only gives up contact. No one misses. But their lineup, they didn't destroy enough. I hate saying it. That's the biggest problem. And they're going to regret that severely. I hate to say they're rooting for losses. But if you remember Major League up in that booth where they're rooting for losses, I mean, right now, secretly somewhere, there's a curtain shut and the Cubs are rooting for losses, and they're not getting any right now. Yeah, and I think about also like Trevor's story, now on the IL, but once he comes off, a renter player, I mean, what's Colorado thinking? What are you going to get for him? Uh, who knows? All right, let's end on this. Favorite wrestler of all time. Oh, gosh. Oh, my. There are so many. Uh, you know what? I, I'll go Shawn Michaels probably. Overall, I, I was a big Attitude Era guy. It was probably the last time I was, I kind of got back into it a little bit. I liked The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Back in the day, Hogan and Macho Man. But standing the test of time and to me, like proving that even though you knew it was scripted, like you could watch a movie, you know there's a script, but say, hey, that's a great actor. Like Joe Michaels, because of the athleticism he had and being able to speak, because as we know, they usually get one or the other. I mean, you guys who like, you have to have Bobby the Brain Heenan may wrestling come around with them because nobody could talk. He, to me, was the best at both of those of anybody I saw. So I, I, I don't know how old that dates us back, but Shawn Michaels, to me, would probably be the first guy that comes to mind. I will always go down with my man, Randy Macho Man Savage, who beat, Ooh, King, yeah. ha who beat <sighs> King Haku to become the Macho King. And, and look, I mean, somewhere right now, Scary Sherry is going through a lot of divorce bills. And, you know, if she's listening, we're sorry. Hey, you are the best, man. Inside Pitch is a fabulous show. I, I love you on XM. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. The reason why I renewed, I mean, also I love the NFL channel, and I'll listen to PGA Tour, but uh, I, I'm locked on you guys every day. Uh, we, we have Farron. We have the Duke. We have a lot of the guys from the channel on our station. We always appreciate your guys' time and be well. And you know, we're listening. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. That means a lot and uh, best it and be well. We'll talk soon. Okay. And we'll end with one of my favorites in this business. He is such a great man and he's been a friend for a long time. You heard him for years, whatever radio station the A's were on, he would be doing his show before the pregame show. And now he's taking it to a, the next level over the years on KMBR. He's one of the best we've ever had. Here's Marty Lurie. I always love telling this story. <laughs> Years ago with the Raiders, I'm in Kansas City. I'm going to the Negro League Museum because uh, in there, there, there's a part where it talks about Jackie Robinson's start, and I tell the story all the time that his first at-bat, he grounded out to my grandfather. But I'm standing there in the Negro League Museum, and I hear this voice. <laughs> and I go, I know that voice. And then there's another voice. And I know that voice, too. And I'm like, where, Mar Marty Lurie, where, where, where are it was? It, it's, it's one of the great stories. I texted you right away going, I can't believe you narrow, you're narrating this video at the uh, Negro League Museum. It's so cool. Well, it was one of the big honors. First of all, nice to talk to you, Chris. It was one of the big honors of my life, uh, getting to be the voice of Lester Rodney. Uh, who was one of the first advocates for the integration of baseball. And they chose me to be his voice. And, <clears throat> and I loved it. It was a great honor for me. And of course, Vida Blue uh, was the voice of Satchel Paige. And uh, it's a great video. You can get it online, uh, Crime of the Century about Lester Rodney. And I always appreciate the uh, 
acknowledgement. A, a bunch of people have said that. They walk into the museum and all of a sudden they hear me. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, like, is Marty Lurie here? And I'm looking around. Well, he can't be here. Uh, well, you, you know, it's so fitting that you would do that because you truly are a baseball historian. And I, I, I do not use that. Uh, lightly. I mean, all the reading and everything that you've done from the Pacific Coast League to baseball through this, through through all the different decades. I mean, this is a game you truly love, and it's a game you truly love to promote. Well, I do. Uh, I created AmericanInnings.org, and what it does, it tells the uh, story of United States history through the eyes of baseball. And if you look at uh, the immigration of the uh, 1870s and 1880s and the Irish playing baseball and how the Italians became part of baseball and uh, during the wars and the pandemic and you name it, the depression, baseball has, has always been there. So I created AmericanInnings.org and used some of my interviews uh, to combine them with some vignettes. So young people, high school people, college people, just about anybody can go to any era of U.S. history and find the connection between that and baseball. And it is just fascinating to me that every part of U.S. history, every part of the United States culture comes through baseball. What is your favorite era of Major League Baseball? I, th I guess the 50s. Because that's when I grew up and first became uh, aware of baseball and lived in Brooklyn, New York. And it was, you know, the Yankees, Dodgers and Giants and uh, the Orioles and the Milwaukee Braves came into existence and the Kansas City A's. But it was Mantle and Williams and Musial and uh, Newcomb and uh, Snyder and uh, just the, the fascination of Mel Allen and Russ Hodges and Vince Scully. And as a little boy, it became part of your life. And for me, in the 50s, it became my unconditional friend that I've had really for 70 years of my life. Well, and I think back to those times, how wild that would have been to have three Major League Baseball teams in our biggest city, New York, that, and, and the rivalries and how, and how the three were all so different, too. Well, and you didn't have the NFL on the level that we see it today or anything near it, or the NBA. Uh, the NHL had six teams. So, uh, you know, and then we had the four majors in golf, and that was it. So baseball, for six or seven months, took center stage. And that was what you related to. And how did we relate to it? Not through the Internet and really not through TV that much, but through baseball cards. So we would look at the cards and whether it was your grandfather, Bob Elliott, who played for the Giants as well. You looked at that card and you saw the face and you flipped it over and you saw what they had done uh, that year or in their career. And that's how the story came to life for you. And you remembered it. That was the way you connected to baseball. And you had your cards and your buddy had their cards and you'd trade them, you'd flip them, you'd bring your cards to school and lunchtime you'd be throwing them against the wall to see who could get closer to the wall, and that's what we did. Well, the website, America, AmericanInnings.org, I'm on it right now. It looks great. And, you know, when you think about baseball and, and that era that you're talking about, a lot of people don't know how big college football used to be, how big boxing was, how big horse racing was. You know, there were sports that were much bigger than football back in the day. So it's, it's amazing how our history in sports has really changed. Well, it has. I mean, boxing, we used to watch the Friday night fights on TV and you'd see the same boxer, every, you know, once a month, there was Gaspar Ortega, uh, Joey Maxim or Gene Fulmer on, on, uh, you know, on TV. And of course you're right, uh, horse racing, but it was the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness or the Belmont. And those were the, the ones that we saw on TV. Cause don't forget sports on TV was in its infancy in the early 50s, and we didn't have TVs in every home until probably uh, the mid to late 50s. And that's how the, the pictures got transmitted. So it was the voice of radio. And whether we listened to Wade Hoyt in Cincinnati or Jack Buck or Harry Carey in St. Louis or Bob Prince in Pittsburgh, these were 
parts of our family. And we couldn't wait to go to the game with our friend. And the friend was the broadcaster. I loved it. I loved it. I, I tell you, it probably is, I would say, almost the happiest time of my life, even though it was tumultuous in Brooklyn for me. But we had that anchor of baseball. Did you ever think that you'd see a time in our sport where everybody coming out of that bullpen is basically throwing 100 miles an hour? I mean, velocity is at an all-time high. Just how shocked are you how hard everybody throws now? Well, it's amazing because, you know, this isn't something, uh, let's go back to 1954. Uh, Let's go back to 2015. Let's go back to 2017. So something has happened. Uh, whether it's the analytics or driveline or how to break down a, a delivery on computer. Look, Rick Peterson did it uh, for the A's in the early 2000s. He, he started a lot of this stuff. So something has happened, whether it's ticky-tack stuff, but the pitchers have gotten bigger and stronger. And don't forget, Chris, in baseball history, you know, there was a time the mound was only 54 feet away. And it wasn't even a mound. It was a box that you had to stand within to throw the ball. And then they got so much better with curve balls and all sorts of pitches and they couldn't hit them. So they moved it back to 60 feet, six inches and created a mound. Well, maybe that was a good example of what we have today. Uh, And that is the pitchers are just bigger and stronger. And maybe there's something about the game that has to change because you just can't have the whole league hitting 235. It, it's still entertainment, and you have to have the action of the game. I think you need it. Oh, uh, I mean, if anybody knows baseball's hi- history, it's you. And I was talking about this uh, two days ago, or maybe we even would have been yesterday, where, where I'm looking at the box score of our game against Texas, and I read all the averages that were below 250. And it's more than half of our our lineup and half of the uh, Texas Rangers lineup. He had a bunch of guys hitting 212, 215, 188. I mean, it's like, I, I can't remember the last time I saw by this time, June, so many batting averages. Cause back in the day, Marty, if you're hitting 200 in June, you're gone. Yeah. No, you can't remember because it didn't happen. <laughs> this is the lowest batting average we've ever had in the history of the game. Uh, you know, for a league-wide average. So, no, this is not a surprise. We've never had this before. So it's okay to walk, to strike out, because they want home runs and they want doubles. They don't want four singles to score a run. Hitters don't go the other way. They don't spray the ball around the field. They try to pull the ball for, for the long ball. And that's the difference in the game today. It's It's acceptable. Where before, if you were Dave Kingman or Rob Deere or – Someone like that, and he struck out, you know, 200 times, but hit uh, 28 home runs. You had a short career. Today, you're making 12 million dollars a year to do it. So it's just a, it's a different way of playing the game of baseball today. And this is what we have: it's starting pitching, a ton of bullpen, as you pointed out, and enough runs that you could score. 50 percent, 48 percent of runs scored are via the home run. So. If you find a pitcher who can keep the ball up in the strike zone so you can't get that uppercut underneath the ball, then you can have success. It used to be you had to throw the ball down in the strike zone. Not anymore. Now you better throw the ball off the plate on a slider or you better throw 96 to 98 at the top of the box. Because if you throw it in the box, 96, 98, 94, it's gone. And that's the game we play today. Yeah, it's also when we were growing up, they taught us to hit the ball up the middle. Now you hit the ball up the middle and there's a guy standing there. Yeah, and it's not the umpire. It's the second (laughs) baseman. And that's the other part is the shift. You know, baseball, again, has to evolve. You know, there was a time in the, uh, you know, the late 1800s when what they did was they realized that there were a lot of foul balls and there are a lot of players bunting and stuff like that. So they took one of the players and positioned them in front of the dugout. Well, they caught all the little pop-ups, and all of a sudden, baseball said, no, you have to be within the uh, white lines. You have to be within the, uh, the field itself. So they changed the rule. And the shift thing, maybe they've got to change the rule. Maybe it's changed the game so much that you have to have a different concept where you can't have 
four or five fielders on one side of the of the diamond to do just what you said. So baseball did it before. They said you can't. That's why the first baseman's got to be in fair territory. The catcher is the only one allowed to be in foul territory because they were smart. They positioned the player in front of the dugout. They caught all the pop-ups. They said, no, we can't have that. <laughs> so that's the way baseball evolves. You know what? I'm so glad that we were having you on today because I get so many people who act like baseball has never changed. Like it's been played the same way forever. I'm like, baseball's always made change. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It took 60 years to figure it out. And once we got to the early 1900s and the great Leonard Coppett told me the story, he said, once they figured out, uh, you know, how to position the players and that the, the foul ball was a strike and uh, th- this and that happened in the early 1900s, it's really the same game. It hasn't changed much, but the rule of playing players out of position is something that has really been taken to another extreme. We always had the shift. We had the Ted Williams shift. We had the McCovey shift. We had all sorts of shifts going on, but usually one player would just go deep and that would be the shift that maybe the short stuff would slide over. But now you've got almost four outfielders and a short fielder. So I think they'll change it. I think this will change next year in the agreement. Now you've had a you've been covering some bad teams with the Giants recently. You know, in 2017 they won 64 games, then 73, then 77. In the COVID-19 shortened season, they were just 29 and 31. What's happened with the Giants, where the light has just gone on and they're in first place in a very tough division? They found players who can execute the program. Look, when Farhan was with the A's, he learned his lessons well. There's nothing going on in baseball that Billy Bean and David Forrest and Farhan hadn't figured out in the early 2000s. That is, work the count, get the starting pitcher out, get into the bullpen, uh, have good defense, um, don't chase, throw strikes, hit strikes, all that. And And Farhan has brought this over, and now with all the analytical ratios they found players who can do what they want to do. And he platoons and he gets his best lineup out there every day. I mean, he's got Dubon in center field tonight against Manaya, and Steven Duggar's hitting 330. How do you take him out of the lineup? But that's the way they play the game. So what did they do? They got great starting pitching. They got bullpen guys who can throw 100 and he'll, he'll use, you know, 30 of them this year. And he also has that, platoon advantage and the hitters don't chase if you don't throw them strikes they're going to do to you what the A's did to teams in the early 2000s and that's the way the Giants have played and they're they're playing great and the starting pitching has really been the MVP I got to ask you about Bob Melvin because he now is the all-time leader in wins in Oakland A's history for a manager and I try and tell people all the time hey listen this is not apples to apples with Tony La Russa Tony La Russa had three MVPs. He had multiple Cy Young Award winners. He had multiple Rookies of the Year. He had the highest payroll in baseball and was a top three in payroll for many, many years. Bob Melvin's had have he's had none of that. I know you re- respect him a lot, so I want to get your opinion on Bob. He's the best. He's the best. If he wasn't managing the A's, I, I think he'd be managing the Giants even though Gabe Kapler is perfect for Farhan and does exactly what Farhan wants. Uh, Bob Melvin is a communicator. He knows the game called. Uh, he has the utmost respect. And I think he's terrific. I just think he's terrific. And I think the fact that the, the A's keep re-signing him and keeping him is a testament to how much they respect him. Because when it came to managers, whether it was Art Howe or Maka or whoever it was, uh, the manager wasn't that important. I think they've come to the conclusion the manager is important, and Bob Melvin is the guy. Yeah, I mean, somebody's got to stand up and be at the front of the bus and the front of the plane. Somebody's mm-hmm. got somebody's got to deal with the humans. Someone's got to deal with the egos. It's just not all numbers. No, and he's terrific. He's he's a you said it very well. He's a great leader. Uh, he's at the right age. The young players respect him. Uh, he knows the game cold. 
He makes decisive decisions. And I think he's, I would put him in the top two or three managers in all of baseball. Marty, I could talk to you all day. I, I, I we, we love hearing from you and uh, good, good luck with KMBR, the website and everything that you're doing. You're truly a baseball historian. And let's talk again soon. Well, we will. You know, they used to call me Marathon Marty. You know, you know that I would do these <laughs> pre-games and post-games. I'd be on for like 16 hours, you know, though. But Chris, you have eclipsed me. You are unbelievable how much content you put out. And the A's are so lucky to have you there. I don't know how you do it every day. I did it for 25 years. And uh, you're still doing it in the most strong fashion. And I commend you for it. You, you, you are a, tr- a tremendous treasure to Oakland A's baseball. Believe me. Well, that means a lot. It, it really, really does. And I'll never forget leaving Lake Tahoe. I listened to you all the way from Tahoe to my driveway in San Jose. You had those epic long shows. That's true. Uh, My record, I think, was about eight hours. And it was a doubleheader. It was an East Coast rainout, and I did the pregame. And then we came to game time at 10 o'clock, and I was already been on for two or three hours. And the game got rained out in the first inning, and I stayed on till like 4.30 or 5 o'clock until the Warriors came on. And that's been my record. The other one was Dwayne Kuyper. I was I actually took a trip to Colorado, and I did the uh, post game. And Dwayne was on the plane. Dwayne got home on the plane ride, got in his living room, had wine, and I was still on. And he called me. So that that's that's one of the nice ones. Uh, you are the best. Enjoy this series, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Chris. Take care. We want to thank Chris Rose, Casey Stern, and Marty Lurie for joining us on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.